You beat me to it. Welcome to everybody that's here with us in person this morning, those watching online. It is a great and glorious day that we get to make much of who God is and what He has done for us. If you have a Bible, please turn to Exodus chapter 15. We are just after uh, the incident at the Red Sea. And before we move on into the wilderness and before we travel on to Mount Sinai, something incredibly important happens here in this chapter that is instructive for our hearts in the here and the now. It's actually timely and good and necessary encouragement for us. And this chapter is both beautiful in what it, it is, what's composed and instructive for our lives in the here and now. So we're going to read verses 1 through 21. I know that we've been going through Old Testament narrative. I've been just reading key parts of what we're considering. But today we're going to read 1 through 21, the whole of our passage. Words should be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, follow along in Exodus chapter 15. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like the stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia, now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inheritance of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. 
For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. God, as we come to your word, we pray that it would be instructive to our hearts, but not just instructive, that it would cause our hearts to soar to great heights in joy and adoration and worship of you. And so be with us as we consider this, your word, your truth, and may it do a good work in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What is it about certain songs that seem to hit deeply in us? I mean, we all have certain songs that mark certain times in our lives. Maybe it's the song that captured your teenage angst, or maybe it's the song you danced to at your wedding, or maybe it's the song you played in the hospital room when your mother was dying. Songs. They, they hit deep places in us, and they soar to great heights. We, we love songs because God made us this way. It's part of being in His image because God loves song. God loves songs. He's all about songs. You, you can't read the Bible and not find song after song after song after song. Songs for all occasions. Songs will be with us, always. These songs will be with us into eternity. My hope is, as we consider this song, the song of salvation, that it will indeed encourage our hearts. We have great reasons to sing. No matter what might be happening around us, or even in us, we always have overwhelming reasons to sing. And my hope is that our hearts will be encouraged as we consider it together today. And so as we go about considering this song of response to the saving work of God, that as we consider it, I hope we, we see sort of the answers to these four rhetorical or sort of questions. First, why we sing? Why do we sing? Secondly, what we sing? What is it that we go about singing as God's redeemed people? Thirdly, how we sing? How then do we sing together? And then lastly, when we sing? When do we sing? It's all here for us, and I hope it is an encouragement for you today, right now. I hope it is an encouragement for you that no matter your ability of singing, that you will have a a strong desire to sing because of our God. So let's jump in and note well from our passage this morning, first, why we sing. Simply put, we sing because God is worthy of the songs. Simply put, 
Why do we sing? Because God is so worthy. Is He worthy? Yes. He is. Most definitely. We sing because God is worthy. Singing in the Bible orients our heads and our hearts to the worthiness of God. It's our way of going about bringing glory to God, glorifying God. And you can't escape that here in Moses' song of response to God's saving work. It begins and it ends with a a clear-cut an unmistakable focus on Yahweh and everything in the middle of the beginning and the end is dead set on who Yahweh is and what Yahweh has done. This song is about God and his worthiness. In verses 1, in verses 11, in verse 18, it helps us see that all of the focus is on who Yahweh is and what Yahweh has done. Consider verse 1, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Moses says, hey y'all, we're going to sing, and we're going to sing because Yahweh triumphed gloriously. The reason for the singing is because of Yahweh, because of God, because of who He is and what He has done, and it is doubly emphatic why they sing, triumphed gloriously. It's, it, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's the exact same word twice in a row, doubly emphatic, so as that you would get in your head, in your heart, that, that God is worth all of the songs. His exaltedness, His awesomeness, His, His Godness is so amazing and so overwhelming, it's worth all the singing. Consider verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Notice the the character summary of, of God in that verse. Majestic, awesome, wonders. That the, that the words almost fail to, to go high enough to describe how awesome God is. And I love it that our Bibles have the word awesome in it. It was a word I grew up with. Everything was awesome until nothing was awesome. But anyway, that's beside the point. But God is awesome. Why do we sing? Because God is awesome. Why do we sing? Because God is majestic. Why do we sing? Because God is the God of wonders. I mean, we glaze over with loveless, harsh things in our world. And our hearts can sink in in discouragement or despair or doubt. And then we gather together on a Sunday, and maybe it took everything we had in us to get here. And maybe we argued on the way. (laughs) And then we got to come in here and we have to sing? I don't feel like singing. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm barely moving. And now I got to sing? That's why we desperately need every time we get together to remind ourselves of how awesome and majestic and mighty and gloriously and wonderful God is. That, that breaks that sort of, that glazed over heart 
and bursts in there the light of God's glory and grace. And we sing. And then we see in verse 18 that the Lord will reign forever and ever. The Lord will reign forever and ever. So this doubly emphatic focus in verse 1, God triumphed gloriously. The summary of his character is majestic, it's awesome, it's wonders. And then we see the scope of Yahweh's majesty and his awesomeness and his wonders resides on a forever reign, a forever kingship. So you cannot escape this song's focus. There's no part of the song that escapes the focus of Yahweh. His majesty, his awesomeness, his wonders, it doesn't escape it. This The entirety of the song is about Yahweh, it's for Yahweh, and it's to Yahweh. And we have a word for that. The word for that is the word glory. The word glory. They are glorying in God. They are glorifying Him. They are, that is, making much of Him. Making much of who He is and what He has done. We sing because God is worth all the making much of. He's worth all the glory. And glorifying God entails two things that we find here and we should find in all of our songs, in all of our singing, is this. First, glorifying God is declaring and glorifying God is rejoicing. It's many more things, but it's going to definitely be those two things. It's declaring and rejoicing. First, it's declaring God's character, His works, His ways, and ultimately His worth. When we sing, we are making much with our song, with our lips, with our hearts bursting forth. We're making much of God's worth, His character, His ways, who He is. We declare it. And singing, it it marvels in God. And it teaches our hearts. It marvels in God. It just, singing just sort of basks in God's awesomeness. It, it says God is so amazing and so worthy. And it, and it just settles into that, even in the context of a, of a life or a world that is filled with hardness and harshness. It marvels in God, and it teaches the heart. It teaches the heart. So when we're declaring God's character, His worth, His ways, His attributes, what He does, we're also teaching our hearts. Many of you probably learn more efficiently or effectively to song. There are studies that show melody and rhyme help us remember deeply truth. So let's put the truth of who God is, the truth of His character and His worth, the truth of His ways and His power and His grace into our songs, and let's teach our hearts that which can never fade. We declare. 
when we glorify God. That's why we sing. We are glorifying God and we're declaring these things about him. And as we do, we marvel and we instruct. Secondly, we rejoice. When we're glorifying God in song, we are rejoicing over what is being declared about God. We're rejoicing over that which we are making much of. Now, I'm not saying names, but when we come in here and we just murmur, when we do that, what are we, what are we doing? It's okay to be out of tune. That's all right. Think heartily because there is this great God who's done a great thing to save you from your sin. And we get to make much of that. We get to rejoice over that. And do you want to know something incredibly amazing? The more your heart is fixed on the glory of God, the more joy floods into that very heart. That your greatest joy is found in rejoicing over God's great glory. I mean, we, we have so much to be discouraged by, to be frustrated with, to be angry over, to have apathy rule our hearts when we look at our lives, our world, and all that might be going on. But when we cast our eyes Godward, when we look at His character and ways, when we settle in and declare all that God is and what He has done, it floods our hearts with truth and joy. Joy even in days of sorrow, but joy nonetheless. That is why we sing. That is why we sing, because God is worth it. I love Psalm 96, verses 2 through 4 call us to sing. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, make much of His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. Why? For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. He is worth all the songs. And you will never run out of reasons to sing about God. His character is infinite and eternal. And therefore, the, the why we sing has an infinite and eternal reason. So sing to Him and make much of Him. We see Moses doing that, leading the people of God right out of the gate of salvation. Now, note, now let's consider what we sing. What we sing. As we read through the entirety of the song, I hope that it struck you how specific it was. Because that's what we sing. We sing the specifics. The specifics about who God is and what He has done. There are no vague notions of Yahweh's character or mighty works. The specifics are highlighted beautifully, yes, through incredible poetry, absolutely. But they are still specific nonetheless. Notice how much detail is given about Pharaoh and his host and their motives and their ultimate demise in the flood. Notice how specific the names get in verses 14 and 15 when he refers to Philistia, Edom, Moab, Canaan. 
Notice the specifics of God's purposes and promises as they are fixed on a future hope mentioned in verses 17 and 18. He's not being vague. He's being specific in his song. Beautiful, artistic, yes. Specific, absolutely. Why such specific detail in the song of salvation? Well, it keeps God's people grounded on the truth and growing in dependence. Keeps us grounded on the truth and growing in dependence. It keeps the people of God in the posture of being shaped by God. That's incredibly important as we see the story of the Old Testament continue on. Unfortunately, the story of the Old Testament reveals the waywardness of the human heart. Idolatry is the opposite of what we see Moses doing here in his song. Moses is grounding them in the truth of who God is and what he has done. And hoping that it keeps them, even in song, in a growing dependence on God. But idolatry does the opposite. It's instead of being shaped by God, it's mankind shaping a God to their liking. So when we aren't specific, we're asking our hearts to then fill in what we think about God rather than what God's Word reveals about Him. Our hearts need to be tethered to what is revealed of God through His Word and also brought to a place of joyful, hope-filled dependence. Now, that doesn't mean our singing is to be so boring and wooden and uncreative. No, the specifics here are declared artfully with great skill from a gifted poet. There is incredible Hebrew poetry on display. And I want to say this, specifics don't rob us of our joy. The specifics of God and His ways are to propel our joy. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful we don't worship our worship. We have to be careful that we don't worship our feelings our, or our emotions. We don't worship our music or our melodies. We are to worship God, and we are to worship God with our worship, with our feelings, with our emotions, with our music, with our melodies. And therefore, what we sing is to be very specific. And that is for our good and for God's glory. Now, as we consider these things, we see the why they sing, and we see what they sing in this song of salvation. And then we've got to consider how they sing. You might be thinking, well, I, didn't, I don't know how they sing. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> was it like antiphonal, or was it like a 17-part harmony? Well, I don't know. There was a lot of them. So how did they sing? Well, here's what I mean by that. They sang together. Now, don't overlook the significance of that, okay? They sang together. This was a corporate or whole church endeavor. Look again back at verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel 
sang the song to the Lord. Easy to move over and just move right into the song. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. Then look at the very end of the portion that we read, verses 20 and 21. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. I bet that was the refrain or the chorus of the song. You saw it in the, in the first line of the song. I bet, I bet that was the chorus. And couldn't you just hear that great crowd of people singing the verses and then the women's voices rising above with that glorious chorus? All of it together, beautifully focused on Yahweh? So what we see here is they sang together. They sang together. Moses and the people, they sang. Miriam and the women most likely responded with that chorus. There was structural and musical harmony together. It's a beautiful picture of a redeemed people together singing of their redeeming God. And what does this show us? Well, it shows us a number of things. One, singing is to unite the people of God around the greatness of God for the glory of God. That singing is a a way of bringing us together in a shared experience, doing something together. And that something we're doing together is, is making much of the greatness of God for His glory, and that brings immeasurable good and grace to our very lives. So that means when we think back to previous decades, where there were worship wars that divided or at least revealed deep division within the church, we realize that those wars were mainly about styles and preferences and rarely ever about the content of what was actually being seen. So instead of song and singing bringing us together, focused on the greatness of God for His glory, it was used to, to either cause or reveal deep division. So the one thing that should level our hearts and unite our lives is making much of the one who saves us. Making much of him in song. Making much of him in song together. Learning new songs, singing old ones. Singing together. The joy and the privilege of singing songs people who have been redeemed have sang for hundreds and hundreds of years. Don't lose sight of how that rich history is so important for us to sing. And singing songs that are new and fresh and coming out of young hearts that are should cause our hearts to rejoice all the more. We need them both. Let's sing them both. Let's sing them both together. That is how they sang. 
That was how they sang. So may that be how we sing. Last thing that we see in our passage, not just the why, not just the what, not just the how, but also the when. When do we sing? The answer to that is now and forever. When do we sing? Now and forever. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on the second part first and then speak to the now. When do we sing? Well, we sing forever. This is not the only place we find Moses' song of salvation. There's another place in the Bible we find it, at least another place that's incredibly important for us to see. And that's actually in the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation 15. In Revelation 15, we find again the song of Moses, the song of salvation, sung in glory over and around and for and to and about our resurrected, reigning, ruling, and one day returning king. Look at and consider Revelation 15, 1 through 3. Then I saw another sign in heaven. Again, this is a peek into the glorious end that the Apostle John, by God's grace and power, has been given. And he says, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast in its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. On the shores of glory, God's redeemed people will sing the song of Moses. The story of the Red Sea and the song of the redeemed on the shores of the Red Sea find their ultimate fulfillment in the song of the redeemed at the return of the King, King Jesus. Songs will be the sound of the new heavens and earth. The sound of glory. The sound of no more sin, no more death, no more Satan. That sound will be a song. And we read some of its words this morning. That will be a part of our forever song. When do we sing? We sing forever. But we also sing now. We also sing now. The very first word of Exodus 15 verse 1 is the word then. Then. So that tells us to look backwards. There's an immediacy to this. They were brought through the Red Sea on dry ground. They just watched their enemies get vanquished. Their deliverance from Egypt is complete. They are standing on the shore of victory. And what do they do? Well, let's make a plan and head on our way out to where God would have us go next. No. They sang. They sang. If this is the song of the redeemed at the Red Sea, and if this is among the songs of the redeemed on the shores of glory, then it is our song now. 
singing is the response to salvation. They did not delay in rejoicing over victory. That is, when you and I are singing, we are reveling in the present day hope and declaration of the God who is worthy of all the songs. You are doing something ancient and you are doing something that will last forever. In no context, no challenge, no circumstance, no heartache can overcome or overwhelm why and what and how and when. We can sing through days of sorrow. We can sing in days of loss. We can sing when we feel far. We can sing in the heartache. Because singing plays a pivotal, crucial role to our lives right now. It makes much to our heads and to our hearts the specific, sufficient, saving power of God that is on full display for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We sing because God, by His grace and His mercy, has rescued us from our sin through the person and work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is a greater word than the the consequences and circumstances of our lives right now. And we can't stray from that. Our singing is to bind our hearts together, coming up from deep places and soaring to great heights for the glory of God and the good of His people. May we be a people who know the tune of grace and the melody of mercy and the harmony of salvation. May we be a people who declare rightly and joyfully the worth of God. May we lay down our burdens before the God who carries them and may we sing up His name together. Let us not be afraid of song let us, let us sing to the King. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can see great reasons for our hearts to soar. And we pray that you would instruct our hearts with this, that we would be a people eager to gather, eager to make much of you, eager to do that in word and song and fellowship and prayer and praise. And so God, do that in us. May we have hearts eager to join in that chorus that will ring for all eternity. We sing a song to our God. Now we pray in Christ's name. Amen.